0: feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like a days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, um, what do you want to talk about, Sam?
1: Did you see I lined up? You have like a little crush on Mr. Beast, I think, right?
0: <laughs> uh, I do not have a little crush on Mr. Beast, but I think he's doing interesting stuff.
1: So his manager's coming and i think we lined up did we line up one or two more people uh yeah his manager's coming next uh next podcast the podcast that comes out friday and then um that deep senadel you know those guys there reached out to me i'll i will hope to set something up with them but uh no more guests or we don't
0: have a lot of guests planned our friend sully's coming on in a couple of weeks oh is he all right that's cool sam you seem uh you seem out of it are you okay <laughs> I'm tired.
1: I just, I'm tired. That's all. Do I need to crack open a Topo Chico for you? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm good, man. It, uh, it snowed in Austin yesterday. I was freezing my ass off and I stayed inside and like slept and didn't exercise that much and it still
0: wore me out. So I'll give you, uh, I'll do an idea that's based on the way you're feeling right now. So are you familiar with smelling salts?
1: Yeah, I mean, originally they're meant for like waking someone up after an injury. Yeah, like after a knockout. Yeah, like Barstool Sports uses them as a joke where they like... Go and find someone whose eyes are closed and they put them under their nose to make them throw up.
0: <laughs> yeah. So basically um, I've been looking into smelling salts and I originally wasn't going to even talk about this idea on here because I, I gave it to a friend of mine to execute. So nobody copy this idea. But if you can help out or you got ideas, feel free to uh, to, to chime in. But I like this idea. So. Smelling salts, traditionally, I only knew them because, okay, a boxer gets knocked out, you wave the smelling salts in front of their nose, and they wake up. The other option is you uh, – or the other people that use them are like uh, weightlifters. So before a body, like any weightlifting competition, you'll see a lot of weightlifters – you know, crack a smelling salt open and, uh, and basically just, you know, use it to get kind of amped up before they do their lift. And um, it's a stimulant. And so uh, same thing with football players. There's a whole bunch of videos of Peyton Manning and a bunch of NFL players before games uh, using smelling salts to sort of get amped up and get ready to go. So I thought that's interesting. And I'm somebody who I never drink coffee. Uh, I don't drink any coffee. I don't drink any soda. So I basically never do like caffeine as stimulants. But I'm really into this idea of, um, of being able to quickly snap into like, I don't know, like a peak state of mind. All right. I treat like I treat my workday like an athlete treats their pregame you know, routine. Like, you know, I don't just get up and start start working like, In the same way, an athlete doesn't just kind of roll out of bed and go play a game like they have a warm up and they have a routine they do beforehand to get themselves ready to go. Do you take smelling salts? I don't, and I don't because smelling salts are not that good for you, right? Smelling salts have ammonia. It's not terrible for you, but over a long term basis, it's known to like irritate the lining of the nose and the skin, uh, the interior of your, your nasal passageway, and it's not great for you. But it's effective, and so uh, and it's more effective than most than like coffee or you know like drinking a shitty energy drink. And so I thought, okay, what if I can create? a smelling salt that's not bad for you. So a smelling salt that doesn't have the same harsh chemical, but still has the same stimulating effect. And idea would be to sell this to two groups of people potentially. One is like the pre-workout crowd. So pre-workout is a big supplement uh, category. So like no explode was one, but there's a whole bunch of these pre-workout powders you take, basically just something to get you amped up before you work out. And it's not a protein powder. It's a pre-workout powder. And then there's another group of people that I think would be good for this, which is just people who work at a desk who are kind of like productivity nerds and they want to, uh, to like optimize themselves. They want to do a little bit of biohacking slash like productivity nerdery to make did, this happen. Do
1: you look at the, have you looked at this stuff on Amazon? Yes. So I typed in smelling salt. So there's this the leading company looks like it's called Atomic Rhino.
0: And there's another one called a, like a, uh, um, something Sport, Ammonia Sport. They all look like on the cover is like a guy exploding with steroids, basically. It just looks like a meathead product because it is a meathead product
1: today. Oh, my God. This is crazy. I'm going to buy this. The reviews are really good. They're probably all fake, but it's, how interesting. How about this one? Asylum smelling salts. Right so good you go crazy
0: yeah exactly so that's the all the existing products in the market are branded like this uh and then you have a whole other batch of like people that that buy products that are uh you know like essential oils and whatnot they're kind of like a different brand and so what i so i talked to my my listen to this one it's called nose torque
1: (laughs) the most potent long-lasting smelling salts available number one choice of
0: power lifters worldwide exactly i don't want nose torque but i'm down to get like amped up and in the zone so i saw so here's what i did so i i called my friend uh, one of my best friends from college is this guy Tofiq, and he's a uh, ear nose and throat surgeon um now and he's like you know probably one of the smartest guys i know on balance and i asked him i said hey uh, how bad are smelling salts for you and like are there alternatives and he basically said two things he goes well you know, a smelling salt is just a really, really strong odor. In fact, it's ammonia, It basically smells like piss and uh, like a really strong concentrated form of piss. It's a stimulant, yes, but it's not like it makes you, you know, stronger in any way. It doesn't like actually do anything to you, but like, it's like, it's sort of like a placebo effect because if you do it all the time, so if you keep taking it, if you have a really strong odor before you do something and your body starts to act a certain way, it will anchor that connection. And so like, if you want to get into that state of mind, that mood faster, the smell can just become an anchor for it. And so he's like, yeah. And he gave me a couple of compounds. He's like, these would be superior alternatives to the ammonia blend that, you know, the ammonia formula that these guys use, use this instead, this won't have the damaging effects, but will still have the strong uh, stimulant. And so... I think this is a little a fun, little D 2 C idea. I'm gonna do it. I have a, an operator now who's 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 doing it uh, for me because I don't have the time, and uh, I can't wait to see where this goes because I think nose torque and you know like nasal blaster are not the way to do this.
1: Yeah, I'm looking this up. This is something. I can't believe this. Will be interesting to watch. I would never bet my money on it. But I would love to pay the entry fee just to watch you fuck right. it up. So,
0: so I'm gonna build this one in public. So everything from sourcing to whatever. So I'm having the guy who's who's working on it, uh, basically who's working on it, uh, blog about it. I'll announce that a little bit. Uh, you know when he when he writes his first thing, we'll we'll, we'll kind of introduce him anyone right. I know. Uh, yeah, someone you know, someone who ha- in fact has even been on the podcast once in a small way. So we'll we'll leave it as a teaser for now. But oh. smell like salts. Are they the same ethnicity as you? Uh, They're not the same ethnicity as me, no. Hmm. Hmm. So that's one idea. Uh, Let's do another idea. So actually, I'll tell you about something pretty interesting. Since you didn't really have too many topics, I'm just going to kind (laughs) of monologue half this podcast and you react to these things that are going on. All right. So I've been... What's the right way to introduce us? Okay, so something cool happened to me last week or two weeks ago where I got a DM from somebody. can't say who, but it's, like, a very well-known person in the kind of, like, tech world. Somebody who I kind of, like, look up to, consider, like, awesome. I don't know this person, so I was surprised to get a DM from them. And they basically said, hey, join this, uh, like, kind of private community on Apex, I, said, I never heard of Apex, don't know what that is. So join this private community on Apex. A bunch of us are on there. I think you'll like it. And I just thought this was spam. I was like, oh, someone's account got hacked and they're just trying to like, they're just spamming everybody using this person's account uh, to try to grow their thing, I guess. So I wrote back, like kind of actually kind of rudely. I was like, okay, like, did you get hacked? Like, I, you know, what is this? And the person was like, no, uh, did not get hacked. Well, I don't know what you mean. Um, I'm inviting you to this, and I was like, "But you don't even know me." And it's like, person's like, "Well, actually, I've seen you on Twitter. You know, followed you kind of for a little while. You know, just Twitter respect. So, thought I'd invite you to this." And I was like, "Oh shit, this might be real." Okay, so I go and click, and I was like, "What's Apex?" So, Apex is a new app. So, anybody can create their own Apex. They can create their own little island, right? So, you can create an island. So, this person had created one. You can invite whoever you want to it. You invite a real person, but once they join, you can make it anonymous or pseudonymous, where, where you can kind of pick a random username. So it's like the idea is like a digital masquerade party. So uh, you invite all your friends, but everybody comes with a mask on. So nobody knows who's who, but everybody knows we're all kind of like we've all been curated here. It's not just randos of the Internet. What's it called? The app is called Apex and it's out. It's not a test flight. So it's actually in the in the app store. And I really like this idea. I've actually myself wanted to create something like this. I wanted to create a version of this that was like um, public, like I wanted to invite a bunch of badass people, let them all be anonymous, but everybody in the thing is badass. And so they feel free to say whatever they want, but it's not just like random anonymous egg accounts on Twitter or YouTube comments. How would I find this? Private groups, Apex private groups.
1: It's like a two arrows up, two arrows up. Yeah, exactly. Interesting.
0: So, uh, you know, like there's a bunch of Apexes, right? Like so I'm, you know, I'm in one. I just created another, and I'm like, okay. So I created one.
1: Oh my gosh, dude, this is so weird. The why would they do this? The if you go to the Apex screen, or like the um the app screen, the app store, it, like the app store preview. In their demo picture, the username is called Efri Jepstein.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know which one you're looking at. I see one that says Kill Blinton and uh, Beth Jesus. Uh, those are the ones that Efri Jepstein. <laughs> uh, and then the you know the group is called the Illuminati, uh, and so they're like le- they're oh like leaning God. into they're leaning into like this is a place where you can say what you want, which is like. Timely, right? Like, you know, the president just got deplatformed and banned off of like every social network. Um, this has been a ongoing issue. Like, I've gotten in you know hot waters for this. You've gotten in hot waters for this. Where you say something on Twitter, it's a toast associated with your real name. You get kind of like a lot of backlash for it. And then the next time you tweet, you sort of think twice before you do it because hey, I, you know, I don't want to ruin my reputation. Just if if people disagree with me or if I say something kind of without thinking about it, or I have employees, I got a company, I don't. I don't, want the, I don't want advertisers to pull out. If I say something, that's just my personal opinion. So I like this. I think this is the way the world is going, which is a retreat away from social media to private media. I think people are leaving the town square, and they're going to their favorite pub, and uh, they're going to close the door, and they're going to basically – people are going to hang out in private groups more and more and more. It's already happening. And this is, I think, an app that is well designed to Who made it? do uh, to do well there there's just two guys behind it I, that I've seen on twitter a designer and a developer and uh, it's very cool so i created a new a new little one i'm going to invite some people to it let the masquerade go and it's cool because i can invite people and then to like to get in you have to like authorize your twitter or your your i can set it where i can say they have to like prove they are who they say they are on the at the door and then they create their account, their username, and whatever else after that. And uh, then you can... But who can verify that they are somebody? The creator of the group, of the private oh, group. Wow. Like the host of the party, basically. So
1: can I tell you my prediction on this? Yeah. It's going to get quite popular. Okay. If it raises seed funding early on, it's ruined. Because what? If it stays independent for a while and gets a huge user base and then raises money... Then there's a shot.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. So it's not not it's not the raising that's gonna it's not the raising that kills them. You're saying it's a signal, like if they get a bunch of money before they get hot, I think I'm gonna bet that they die. Is that it? It's kind
1: of like a uh, like a WhatsApp type of deal, where like or something that like it's already successful and it's already big. We're just gonna make it bigger and more successful. If you do like a a thing where they raise money early on and they get too much of the wrong hype. I think it's going to die.
0: Okay, I can see that. I can see like,
1: that. Uh, like, you know, there's three apps that I'm referring of that
0: are the same thing, like the secret thing. So, like, okay, here's what we'll do. I will create one for listeners of this podcast. We'll just try it out. We'll see what happens. So the way to get it is the app is called Apex. If you search the app, store, Apex Private Groups. And uh, the symbol is like two little arrows going up. And I created a group just now. I'm calling it platform nine and three quarters, just like uh, Harry Potter. And I'm Oh, don't s- do that. I just call my first million. How do you do my – I don't even know how to type in three quarters. Is three quarters so is <laughs> 0.75. I did 0. 0.75. Okay, I can rename it. So I'll rename it to my first mail. I'll put the link in the description of this podcast episode. That's the private link to join, and uh, it's a masquerade party. Now I don't know. We'll, I don't know if that group particularly is going to be that interesting. I think this is interesting when you kind of like curate the set of people, but we'll try it and we'll see. What, but see so what you think. you can see who they are. I can see when they join who they are. I don't think once they join, I don't think I know what they set their name to and who's who. I don't think uh, that would be. You just know that this person is in the room and they're one of the five here. I just know at the door, I can say yes or no to the person. And once they're in, I don't know who's saying what. I don't know who's who. Uh, I hope that's the way it works. If I can just always see everybody, that's kind of lame. Let me see. Yeah, I don't think I can. Yeah, I cannot see. Once you join, I don't know. I don't know. I can't tie your real identity to your, uh, to your username. I'm excited to try this. I don't have my phone on me, but I'll use it. And by the way, here's the other interesting thing. The group I'm in, you know, you have like what you see on Facebook and Twitter every day. Like, okay, I go check social media. Everybody says X. Everybody's like kind of in agreement. This is good. This is bad. These guys are evil. These guys are heroes. And then I do, I'd go into the apex and it's like, the not the opposite opinions but you hear people say things there that they're that you just don't hear people saying in public social media and that's why it's quite addictive to keep checking it because it is interesting there's this there's this and they're not idiots cuz like they were invited in they were curated in it's not just like randos you know there's this firm who you and
1: i know well it started as a two person vc company they were associated with me and they say they have this very public presence. And when they talk about stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, you feel that way. In private, one time I've brought a few things up. And I'm like, well, you know, you believe this. And they've just been like, oh, no, that's, I mean, no. <laughs> like that's That's way too woke. We don't believe it. Like, that's, no. Just like we want to get, we, we're just here to get rich. <laughs> and like, they just... Well, how do you feel about that? My opinion is that is the week of the week and I want nothing to do with you.
0: For people that are kind of two-faced, you mean?
1: Yeah, or, but another perspective on this is fair, which is like, yeah, but they're... Pl- so like you and I have a couple of friends that maybe have this persona of being this nice person and in real life, they're just cutthroat, ruthless and they'll destroy you. Maybe you could, one justification is Yeah, they're playing the game. I mean, this is just how it's played. And they're just trying to get yours. You can't be mad at them. But then the other side is like, no, you're a punk. You don't have any integrity. Just like (laughs) sit, call it like it is and be you twenty four 24-7. Where do you come out on that of like people in this app not talking like that?
0: If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC pod wherever you get your podcasts. I think two things. One is we're all guilty of it. So um, we are all guilty of, you know, signaling one thing. To the public and, uh, you know, there being a, a gap between like reality and what we signal. So like the innocent version of this is, you know, you go post on Instagram pictures of yourself, you know, at a brunch cafe with avocado toast and a mimosa. And you're saying how great life is. And then, you know, you go home and you're lonely and miserable, right? Like, uh, we don't post that part of our lives. And so there's a, a silent, like, lie that happens there, which is, you know, you, om- you lie through omission, right? You only say the good things that make you look good. And you don't share any of the things that don't make you look good. And so there is sort of a, a false presentation of yourself. Then all right, that's level one. Level two is what you talked about, where it's like, Or sorry, level two is you think something, but you decide not to say it because you don't know how other people are going to feel about it, right? You let their their opinions of you matter. You care what other people think. And so you censor yourself. That's you're called- are That's you're... level two, yeah. Fear and self-censorship, uh, you know, take you out. And then there's level three, which is what you talked about, which is just a straight up lie uh, where you say one thing and you actually mean another or believe another. And uh, yeah, if you're level three, I also consider you kind of like a punk. And, uh, you know, you, you lose some respect points there. And I, you know, I, I try not to do that ever myself, but maybe I've done it uh, at some point in my life. I'm definitely guilty of levels one and two, where like, you know, only post the good shit, leave out the bad shit, and also think something, but don't know how other people are going to react to it. So I might as well just like not say it. Don't cause a fuss.
1: Well, that's different. That's a little different.
0: Yeah. Can we talk about
1: this guy who you have listed? The best segments that I get from you are the Billy of the day. Yeah. Which one do you want me to do? There's only one up there. The guy starts with a K, right?
0: It's not a guy. That's a woman. So um, the woman's name is Catalin Carrico. I have this person as Billy of the week. In reality, not a billionaire, but just a fucking baller. And this story is incredible. So do you know who this person is? Like, did you know them before this? Never. I didn't know them before this either. So. Catalan Carrico, and I hope I'm saying the name right. I've never heard it said. I've just read it.
1: By the way, in one of the most recent reviews, someone said that even though I butcher everyone's name, they're happy that I try really hard.
0: (laughs) Because I do. Uh, All right. So this person is kind of the key person for why we have the COVID vaccine. So a little bit of science. So normal vaccine is – you get injected with like a dead or weakened version of the virus, right? So you send in a version of the virus with its you know, legs tied together and hands cuffed. it's dead, it's weak, and your body creates an immune response to the virus, right? Those take a long time to develop, and you can't always develop them for all different types of viruses. The reason we were able to get this vaccine done faster was obviously, A, the whole world decided this is a big problem, but B they used a different technique, a technique called mRNA vaccines. If you just take out all the science jargon in simple terms, what it is, is mRNA is a little messenger. The messenger has a little envelope. The envelope is like, here's the genetic code of the protein that's on top of the virus, right? Like a virus is just like a a little cell that has a protein on top. It's kind of like that's its face or its hat. If you want to recognize the virus, look at the protein. That'll tell you which one's the virus. So the messenger RNA goes in with the envelope. The envelope says, this is what the hat looks like it goes into your cell. The cell opens up the envelope and says, oh, this is what the protein looks like. Cool. Let's make some of this protein. And your ribosomes make the protein and the protein goes in your bloodstream. So you get the protein of the virus so your body can start to recognize it and fight it. But it's just the protein. It's not the actual virus. So you can't get sick from it. Uh, So that's the breakthrough in, in the way this vaccine works. And so this woman has been working on this technology for like, I don't know, 30 years or something like that. She's like, you know, came from, I don't know, somewhere in Eastern Europe, Germany, Ukraine, something like that. And um, she was working on this. And then everybody initially was really excited about mRNA vaccines. It was like, like most things, it's like, there's the initial hype, like with VR or crypto or whatever. And then there's like the trough of sorrow where people give up on it. They're like, ah, oh, this will never happen. And so in the 90s, Everybody in the scientific community gave up on mRNA vaccines. This woman basically like threw away her career because she believed in it. She was like, all right, I know there's no funding for this. Nobody will hire me to work on mRNA vaccines. There's, There's just no money in this space, but I believe. And so she just kept working on it and kept persisting all the way through the 90s, a decade plus And eventually she published a paper that kind of like showed that like what the power of mRNA can be for various use cases. And that paper was read by three different groups of people. One was this guy at Stanford, and he uh, he was like a kind of a postgraduate uh, PhD person at at Stanford. He reads this paper that she put out and goes, "Holy shit, this is going to be big," and um, starts working on mRNA. He ends up uh, inventing a company called Moderna. Moderna is one of the vaccine creators, uh, one of the people who, one of the companies that has the vaccine for COVID. And wow, Moderna is only ten years old. Exactly. So this guy leaves Stanford, he partners up with two scientists, there's a guy There's a badass guy. Uh, This guy is actually like, you know, somebody who should be Billy of the week. He is at like MIT or somewhere. And this guy's got like 250 kind of patents that he sold to pharmaceutical companies. So he's like the man when it comes to commercializing this stuff. And so these three guys co found Moderna. And Moderna is now like, I don't know how many $10 billion, Ish company off of this woman's work. They license, you know, they kind of license her work. So another company gets started called Bio and Tech. They also read this paper. So imagine how cool this is. It's like Satoshi with the Bitcoin white paper. She just publishes this scientific paper, and then people all around the world are reading this, and the light bulb is going off simultaneously with three different companies at once to say, oh my God, this is gonna change everything. And so Bio and gets formed. They basically bring her on as like they licensed her tech, so she got paid as a licensee of the of the technology. And and now she's like a the vice president or whatever of their science division. So she's kind of like a co-founder of one of the companies that's also doing very well. She looks
1: exactly like I would expect her to look. She looks like a hardened person. A hardened actually-
0: Hungarian
1: biochemist. This is... Correct. Uh,
0: she looks like she... And uh, her daughter is like an Olympian, like a gold medalist. Like she, you know, like this whole family is probably just badass.
1: Yes, this woman so, looks like she will solve, like... She looks like the female version of James Bond.
0: Yeah, like she, she's a badass. If you just read, like, kind of what she went through as an immigrant, working on this thing nobody believed in, and now she's going to win the Nobel Prize for this, like 20 years later, the payoff happened. That, to me, is like so admirable to, to believe in your thing when everybody all stops believing and you just say, fuck it. And you just keep going for two decades. That's like three decades. That's that is badass. So she's 66 years old. So she's part of one of the companies. And then there's another company doing this. And now Pfizer and others are using this same technique to, to cure COVID, but this is not just going to cure COVID. So like this, idea of mRNA vaccines is actually the most promising path we have to curing cancer also. And I'm not saying it's going to because like there's a lot of false hope when it comes to these things. But, um, you know, the way we we try to cure cancer today is we're like, oh, you have cancer cells in your body. Let's just nuke your whole body with radiation. Uh, let's kill the good cells, the bad cells. You'll lose your hair. You'll throw up like let's just kill you. And like right when you're on the brink of death, we'll stop giving you radiation. And like hopefully we've killed the cancer cells in that time. And what this instead will do is it's going to allow for what's called like a designer vaccine for cancer, which is people are going to figure out what cancer you have. Oh, well, here's the cells that you have that are cancerous. What proteins do they have? And then let's create the vaccine just like we did for COVID with mRNA. To get your body to produce those proteins and start to build immunodefenses for it. So it's like immunotherapy.
1: When you hear these stories, do you think that, well, I'm just I'm working on this clothing <laughs> company or I'm looking on this video video right. game platform. And then you, you read this and you just do you say to yourself,
0: I'm worthless. No, I say to myself, I'm going to tell everybody how awesome this person is so that, you know, the five people that listen to this that are capable of doing this are going to be inspired by this person. They're going to go do something like this themselves. Okay, that's such an easy out. I'm the messenger, baby. (laughs) Okay, that's a that's a good answer. Yeah, correct. Fine. You could say, yep. Honesty. My, my true answer is something like that. Like, when I took a step back after we sold and I was like, all right, what do I do with the next 10, 20 years of my life? Like, what do I want to work on? I was lucky that the thing I like to do, which is like learn stuff and teach stuff through things like this podcast or whatever, I think genuinely that is the highest leverage thing any one person can do.
1: Well, I think that's it's silly to compare, but it's undeniably interesting that if you can have a mad a large audience and tell them of cool people who deserve to be well known. You're
0: right. That's noble. I'm not just telling them of cool people. I'm just saying, in general, teaching, I believe, is like a multiplier. It's a force multiplier. I agree with you. I go try to do something myself, right? I'm one operator. I can be the greatest operator in the world. I'm Elon Musk uh, or somebody like that. That's like the pinnacle of that. I agree with you. On the other hand, you could be a teacher. A teacher basically is going to now have. number of students, right? So I could reach a million students, I could unlock them as operators to be better. And now that's leveraged what I have in my head. Okay,
1: but think about it differently. We talk on here about boring businesses all the time, we talk about it. The reason we talk about it is like, well, we haven't heard about it before. But also, they make a lot of money, and it's easy. And it's not a lot of work, well, it's a lot of work, but it's simpler. And it's a surefire way. At the end of the day, and this isn't an insult at the end of the day that's a very hedonistic way of viewing life that's a very much like i'm going to i don't care what i'm doing because i'm providing for me and my family which you know supplying for your giving your family a good life that's not quite hedonistic but it's still like if you include your family in it, it's quite selfish and again nothing wrong with that but that's what it is but we go like whenever i go and like get sick and meet a nurse practitioner who helps me or hear about this woman i'm like there is you know how people say like you know, just because you're rich doesn't mean you're, like, more valuable than someone else. I agree with that. But then I hear this woman, she could be poor. I have no idea. I'm like, oh, that woman's more valuable than me and more valuable than a lot of others. Yes.
0: The people who are, like, the Catalan Caricos and the Elon Musks and the... um Forgot the guy who you know started microfinance or whatever micro lending. The people who go and someone who is going to go and fight climate change. Let's be honest, they don't listen to this podcast for the most part. And if they do, the things they're hearing here are not really going to help them do that thing, uh, right? Like the great scientists, scientist entrepreneurs, essentially, they are motivated and inspired by different things altogether. There's a different teacher for them, right? There's a different person out there who gives them information and inspiration, and it's not me, for the most part. If I do what I do, though, there's like a different argument, right? There's the hero argument, which says the world needs Elon Musk and Catalin Caricos to like solve the big problems and like make us all better. That's what I'll call the top-down hero solution. Superman flies in, saves the day. And then there's the bottoms-up solution, which is like well if every single person got a little bit smarter a little bit happier a little bit healthier a little bit more kind and you know a little bit more you know motivated and inspired every day rather than feeling like they're going through the motions if you like solve it at the individual level for the masses you make the world better in a different way right and so that's a bottoms up approach to doing the same to to sort of having a same same level of impact so if i was going to like be a little dreamy about what i'm doing uh, or what not feel like a piece of shit i should say it's like well, if I can help a whole bunch of people be a little bit healthier, a little bit happier, and a little bit like more free financially so that they can like spend their time doing what they want and not in some like kind of tedious, monotonous job every day, that's a different type of unlock versus these people who are going to have these big breakthroughs and like solve big problems for humanity.
1: People talk about legacy fighters a lot, you know, athletes, right. particularly UFC, fighters, UFC guys. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, it's about legacy. And then business people also say that as well. They say um, – like, all right, I have money. Now it's all about legacy. And I'm like, okay, yeah, your legacy is making your name known part of it. Your legacy is definitely leaving the world a better place. I think that's cool. But then I always try to look at the opposite of everything. And the opposite of that is like, just live a quiet existence. And this is like what I said about being hedonistic and selfish. Live a quiet existence, have a ton of fun and take care of your family and just seek pleasure. And... Part of me is like legacy's cool, but why the hell do I care? I'm dead. Screw it. I'm having fun now. Like when I think of like Steve Jobs, he was like, "Yeah, but how are you going to change anything when you're uh, like not working eighty hours a week?" And I'm like, "I'm not right." Yeah, and I don't want to. Yeah, I, those I mean... things bother me because I'm like, we're, we value these Elon Musk of the world, and I acknowledge that they need to exist. But then most of the time, I'm like. I don't want to do that. Fuck that guy. Yeah,
0: well, there's a question of like, do I need to change the world, right? How do I want to live? That's fair. Like, okay, so I was listening to something interesting. I'll tell you about this conversation. So I don't know how randomly on YouTube I got onto this video that was, Scott Adams, who's the creator of Dilbert, and um, Naval Ravikant, who's like kind of the Silicon Valley, uh, you know, the guy who created Angel List and and a bunch of other cool things. They're at his house. They're at Scott Scott Dilbert's house and they're just talking. They're doing a Periscope and they just recorded the thing. And they agree about a bunch of things. And then one question came up. They go, what do we disagree on? Naval goes, I think we disagree on like the importance of having kids. And Scott's like, what do you mean? I got kids. He's like, well, yeah, but like you adopted or like, you know, biological kids. And he's like, and Scott's like, well, like, and then they kind of laugh. And it's like, and I was like, look, 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 I'm not saying adoption is bad. I'm not saying foster care is bad. I'm just saying like, for me, it was really important to like biologically have my own biological kids and like reproduce basically like. At his core, he's a scientist, and he's basically like at a evolutionary, from an evolutionary um, point of view, you know, we are reproducing machines. All that we're doing, those of us who made it this far, is because in our genes, there is a desire to replicate, to reproduce, and that's how we stayed on. And other people who didn't care about reproducing didn't reproduce, and their genes are, are now dead. And so Scott goes, well... I would say I'm reproducing, but just in a more efficient way. He goes, I put out ideas into the world through my blog, through this, you know, live streams, through my comics with Dilbert. If my ideas go live on, uh, they'll live on far longer than any child of mine will. Like they an idea can live forever. An idea can get into like thousands of people where I'm only going to be able to have a, a couple of kids. So like for me... My replication is what I'll call mimetic and not genetic. And uh, I thought that was interesting. And I've always found this interesting. And I think I've brought this up before, but like part of your legacy, it doesn't have to be what you did. It can be like an idea or philosophy you put in the world that lives on far beyond your kind of like flesh and bones, your, you know, your little meat sack that you live in. And so like, do you think about that? Like, forget about legacy. Like, oh, I'm the guy who built the railroads. But like, do you care about your about like your ideas spreading? I mean, to some extent you do. Otherwise, why do this podcast?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely I do. But I ask myself why and is that really important? Like, okay, so there's like the fun factor of like, yeah, it's awesome. You're powerful, you're rich, you do whatever you want. That's cool. What's the opposite look like? Where you're not that. Is it a significant difference in happiness and fulfillment? Right. Maybe not. I don't know, but I do question
0: this. All right, so of those three paths that we just talked about, and maybe there's more. Path one, The point of your life, you're optimizing for enjoyment of your life. Number two is you're optimizing for legacy or some kind of impact on the world. And then three is you're trying to have your kind of ideas spread and your ideas are are your legacy, not your accomplishments. Which one resonates the most to you or none of them?
1: As of now, I think I'm a three, either a three or a one. And then for
0: sure, you'd say one,
1: I think I'm more of a one of enjoyment. But in the future, I think I'll be a number two, an impact. But as of today, right now, I have a feeling. I don't know this yet. I have a feeling when I have children, it changes a little.
0: Mm. Does it? Not really. I guess it changes, but like maybe for different people in different ways. When I'm with my daughter, like I kind of like... I guess I'm in one of two modes. Either I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to go do something else. This is so boring. I've read this book 45 times in a row, like bubbles, bubbles everywhere, bubbles, bubbles in my hair. Like, I'm just tired of this. I want to go do something more fun. Do you know how fun the internet is? I'm tired of like this babysitting that I'm doing right now. And then other times... I'm with her and I'm just like, dude, who cares about like success? Like all I need to do is just hang out with her. She's awesome. And uh, like, you know, I don't really need to go be like super ambitious. Like what a waste of energy to go sit in my room on my computer. And I'm literally like in one of those two camps at all times.
1: (laughs) I think this is normal, but maybe not. I think that for the people who are extremely successful, they don't uh, waver. Right, But
0: maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I have have another idea for you because I think we got philosophical for a bit. So which idea do I want to do? These kind of seem anticlimactic when we're talking about like, what's the purpose of your life? And I'm like, oh, here's an idea.
1: That's okay. By the way, Sean, people have been telling me they like listening to us because it's not always strictly business. They listen to us on a regular basis because they need uh, someone was comparing us to all in that podcast yeah. and then morning Brews thing I don't know what it's called apparently they both talk about politics a lot and someone yeah. was like oh I hate that I just want to like turn my like they say they want to turn their brain off but at the same time they turn it on with us but we don't ever talk
0: about well it's an escape right like uh, we
1: have we yes it's a very good escape
0: yeah and uh, and like I I always wanted to rename the podcast what was it like idea porn or something like that because porn itself is also kind of like an escape it's just kind of a pleasure thing it's not like a long-term commitment like I think a lot of people listen to these ideas not to go do the all, but just because it's like interesting and entertaining and then they so can like embrace
1: be the, done with the podcast and be done with it. Embrace the banter. Embrace the escape. Are you going to talk about micro biz? Uh,
0: yeah. All right. Did you see what I did with this? This is funny.
1: No. I,
0: I like the sound of that, though. All right. So you actually missed this opportunity. I pounced uh, before because you didn't reply. So Wait. How did I not reply? Okay. So this guy, Andrew, runs this company called microacquire.com. Yeah. He's in the trends group. Yeah. And so he emailed you and me and he emailed us both and was just like, Hey, kind of a fun idea. There's a bunch of small micro businesses, like a $5,000, a little business that's, you know, could buy for $5,000. What if we just gave it away to somebody like in the community? And then I guess like you didn't reply or whatever. And so he DM me, he was like, you know, what do you think you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, let's. And so then like, literally I didn't even like really reply to him. I just tweeted it out. I was like, You know, people don't really know this, but like buying businesses, is like most awesome ways to go as an entrepreneur, like instead of building from scratch, you can buy. And like, you know, if you want to just like learn about business, don't go to business school. Like, let me save you the time and money. I'll just give you one of these micro businesses and go like learn by doing. I'll just give you this $5,000 business. And uh, I said, you know, Andrew, what do you say? Well, you, you in on this? You, you know, you you want to do this? And he was like, so I kind of made it public, like what he was doing in the DM. And he's like, hell yeah, like I'm in and I'll, I'll provide some coaching and we'll waive the fees of the transaction or whatever. And then other people started chiming in like, dude, this is awesome. I'll chip in 5k too for free. And so we ended up with $57,000 in the bank of people who are willing to just Let us basically, now we have a 57, it was a $5,000 bankroll to go buy a business. Now it's a $57,000 bankroll to go buy a business. Cause people were just like, yeah, just pick a cool operator, let them like take one of these businesses and run with it and uh, let them like build it in public and like talk wow. about it as they go. Like uh, this is a cool experiment for science. So who,
1: who, what, what business are you guys going to get? So
0: then I said, all right. So then a bunch of people replied as like, pick me as the operator. Cause like, Hey, who doesn't want to just get a get a business gifted to them. We found a couple of people. And I think we're just going to like do like a 30 minute phone call with the final two or three people and just pick one from there. And Give it, it to w- Henry Johnson. Henry Johnson. Okay. I don't know if he replied to it, but I'll, I'll check him out. I know who you're talking about. He's very active in our community. And so then I went through all the businesses. I was like, okay, which one is good to buy? And, you know, most of them I would say are like are bad, like to the point where I was like, okay, if you, if I gave someone this business, I'm giving them kind of a shitty job to go to. Um, so like, I want to avoid that. You know, this experiment will be fun if the business has a l- enough potential where like, this can actually like grow into something. So picking a good operator and a good business are, are important here. So anyways, I'm curious of what's going to happen. We're going to finalize the, the whole thing this week. And uh, I think what we're going to do is gonna finalize, we finalize the money. We finalize who the operator is this week. And then we're going to take a 60-day window and we're going to say, all right. In the next 60 days, it's like a little tiny micro spec it's like you have 60 days to find a company to acquire with this blank check and we're going to publish the whole thing on my newsletter about like okay here's what they're doing here's how it's going so on and so forth so i'm excited how do that. you have time to do all that well i'm not doing it i'm just picking it i just tweeted it out and i picked the operator
1: yeah but even like organizing well that stuff a- is, andrew from is...
0: micro acquire is like more of the guy who's gonna like make it happen because for them this is like the best fucking advertising like he was showing me the stats from the tw- just from the tweet alone i think he got like you know, four or 5,000 followers on Twitter, which like, I don't know, probably doubled his Twitter following. And then he showed me the Google analytics of the site. And there was like, you know, a thousand plus concurrent users on the site at that that very second. And so, you know, I'm sure he he already kind of like made his money back just in terms of people buying the membership or finding out about it. But it's, you know, credit to him of like, it was his idea to do something cool like this, like give away a business. That's a way better marketing push than just saying, Hey, um, did you know, like, my site exists, come come visit it, right? Like, I think he deserves the additional traffic he's going to get out of it, but he's got to do the work now to, like, make it all go. I'm not going to do the work.
1: Yeah, I'm looking it all up now. This is a... It's a great site. I, he's been doing it for a minute and now it's it was okay at first. Now it's really getting cool.
0: I really like the concept of the site. I would say like just in full you know, transparency, most of the deals on there, I think are very bad deals, but you know, whatever, that's any marketplace has a bunch of junk and has some really good stuff. That's where all the value is. So don't be like, oh, Sean said microcars is great. I'm going to go buy some business on here. Like I would not advise that as just like a, like do your homework.
1: Okay, your shoulders are they tired from carrying the weight this whole time?
0: <laughs> no, dude, I just get stronger as the hour goes on.
1: Okay, what, let's do one more, last
0: one, maybe Eureka surveys. I want to save that one. The guys, the guys. Uh, so we talked about user testing, and these guys are doing something dope with uh, in that vein. And he DM me and he shared the numbers, but I think they wanted to like, like they're just like they want to push out of private beta into public beta. So he's like, wait one week to talk about it. I was like, all right, fine, no problem. Well, you want to do one more? Yeah, let's do one more. Um, okay, here's like okay, I'll give you two really dumb simple ideas. Maybe something like this exists, but I ran into these pain points and maybe somebody could build a simple tool that solves these. So the first one is Amazon affiliate links. So you Sam, on your blog, you used to sell Amazon affiliate, right? I used to have as affiliate links. Yeah, I would make about four or five grand a month. From and it. to do that, you have to become a like official affiliate or something like that,
1: correct? Yeah, and I've been banned many times for doing um, stuff that I didn't think was bannable.
0: There's kind of a process you have to go through to do that. Because, like, for example, a bunch of people were asking me about, like, you know, my setup of, like, a podcast and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, cool. Why don't I just publish this once? You've to have a blog. But,
1: like, for example, I didn't know that you – so there's rules. You cannot – there's, like, many rules. But one of the rules is you cannot email people a link. Yeah, which so is you crazy. have a newsletter. That's what I was going
0: to do it in a newsletter. And I was like, how do you do and this? And they
1: banned me. It's a big pain in the butt. Or the other day It used to be like 4.5% commission. They just said, all right, for most all these categories, now it's 2%. Like, they just change it whenever.
0: Okay, so this idea might not actually be viable. It might not work with the term of service. But basically, like a one-off, like, you know, like link shorteners, like Bitly and shit like that. Like, why not just like a one-off way to generate an affiliate link for Amazon products? Because I don't want to go become a merchant and a long-term affiliate and become a blogger. Like, none of that stuff. But like, why can't I just like affiliateize my link once? Well, there's this... There's this company called Skimlinks.
1: Have you heard of Skimlinks?
0: No. Is that what that is?
1: It's an e. Yeah, a little bit. They uh, they're about twelve years old. They in 2017 they did a hundred. Uh, they did a billion dollars in gross mark or what's it called? GMV. Yeah. GMV. So let's say they took a thirty or forty percent cut. That's three hundred million dollars, which I don't know if it's that high. Probably way less is my guess. What? Uh, even
0: two percent of of a billion is not sure. Not nothing.
1: Yeah, it's actually probably. 30, 40 million they do. But that's what they do. And they've been around for a while, 12 years. It's a pretty reputable company, pretty big. They've raised tens of millions, maybe close to 100 million in revenue. And it is kind of similar and it's quite effective. You never heard of Skimlinks?
0: I've heard of it once before, but I didn't know if it works for... Does it work for for Amazon products or no? I don't know
1: exactly how it works, but I know that they cold email me on a regular basis to sign up. But I guess you're saying something valid.
0: Yeah, so, so basically like... I just think there should be like a disposable, simple way to affiliateize my link to whatever product it is. And somebody should make like a bit.ly that just does that easily. Maybe Skimlinks is kind of already this. Um, Yeah,
1: and it's it's actually owned by another company. Have you ever studied like ad tech? uh,
0: I mean, not studied it, no. but
1: Man, these ad tech companies like Like Okay, so the company that owns Skimlinks is called Contextity. The company that owns Contextity is called Symphony Tech Group. Founded in 2012, (laughs) its total portfolio includes $2.5 billion in revenue and 15,000 employees. There's ad tech companies that you, unless you're in in the world of ad tech, have no idea exists that are just massive, 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 massive. It's amazing. Oh, wait, sorry. Symphony Tech Group is PE. I was wrong. But you get the idea. Like some of these ad tech games or ad tech businesses are freaking nuts.
0: Right. And uh, and I don't really understand how most of ad tech truly works because it's like such a complicated machine of like cookie swaps and data transfer. It's like it's just all kinds of like, oh, the pixel is hashed and then the hashed user is passed to here. It's like, what's going on? Like, how do these businesses work? And who, who the hell thinks of this stuff? And, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of money to be made. So, so good on them. Okay, here's another kind of simple idea. I think I've kind of said this before, but... Facebook advertising is like one of the like, you know, big industry. You know, there's probably like 9 to 10 million advertisers on Facebook. Uh, Let's say even half of them are are, are active or, you know, whatever. Let's say 4 million active advertisers on Facebook. Make up some round numbers. And um, the ad manager is just like such a pain in the ass to work with. It's a horrible thing. And uh, one of the biggest problems with it is just visual. Just going and checking how are my ads doing, and you know they present it in this like very like sterile table kind of way, and I think that somebody. I think that there should be this like somebody who just says, All right, how do I build a layer on top of Facebook ads that is useful to some of the four to 10 million advertisers of Facebook? Like, what should they look at every morning? How do I make this presentation more visual? Right. Like, how do I take all your ad creatives and then like layer on the data on top? Or how do I show you, you and your competitors' ads? And how like just layer on top of the Facebook ads? ad manager is have you seen ad espresso that... yes yeah, so i've used Espresso before and i found it like okay to use uh it, it like kind of got outdated right like it, it was like kitty shit the problem I, th- I
1: found that if you get really complex if you learn how to operate ad manager it's quite complex and you need it to be complex
0: right i'm not saying replace the ad manager i'm saying build things using that as the data source. There is certainly going to be some value add thing you can do that just uses that as the data source. And people are going to be willing to pay you monthly to get X X, extra value or alternative view or, you know, different, different level of insights.
1: You want to hear a crazy story about this. So there's this company called contextual or context logic. You know what that is? You ever heard of that? No. Chris Redlitz, one of my uh, seed investors and a good friend and mentor of mine, he was telling me about this company started 10 years ago in his office. He had a small fund, and he had a few extra offices. And he let this young guy named Pete, who formerly worked at Google, and his partner, Dan, I think his name was, both worked at Google, both built up AdWords. And they started tinkering around, and they built this thing called contextual Logic, I think it was called. And it was a new ad network that was doing exactly what you've described, but for Facebook. And they started using it. And they're like, well, we need to test it. Let's sell some stuff on it. And they started selling some stuff on it. And they just went to Alibaba and just sold crap. And they're like, wait a minute, we can't give this away. And so they pivoted and they started selling other people's stuff and then let merchants get on there. And they used their advertising prowess to do it. And they eventually renamed that company Wish. Wish. That is how Wish.com started. It was started because they were creating exactly what you're describing. And it was so good. They say, no, this is our competitive advantage. And so now they're public. This is (laughs) 10 years later, I think. They're publicly traded with a $12 billion market cap. So if you look up Wish, you'll see that they raise money under context. It's either context or contextual logic.
0: And the founder is Jack. Have you seen this guy? Mm -mm.
1: Okay,
0: I'm going to send you uh a... Pete, the founder? Yeah
1: yeah i have i I've, I've chatted with him via email once or twice. He's an oddball <laughs> he's uh, uh he, he uh he's very quirky.
0: Uh, you can see in his Instagram picture here. I love uh, tech founders that are jacked. By the way, I find it hilarious. I remember one time there was the Facebook F eight like the annual conference Facebook does. Facebook is run by some of the smartest people in the world, but they're not like the most you know like athletic or well rounded or great public speakers necessarily. Dorks. Right? Like yeah, there's a lot of dorks there. And for some reason, I was sitting there and I was watching this, and I was like, I noticed every single exec that got up there was jacked this year i was like what what kind of who is the personal trader what is the program that they all got on you know who's putting creatine in the milkshakes at at, you know in menlo park what is going on because there was one year that literally everybody was jacked i have nothing more to say in the story but they probably
1: have like a doctor who lives with them
0: (laughs) yeah don't they have like in san francisco don't they just like own one of the buildings like where they own all, all like all the all the execs have like apartments in the same building in sf so that when they do need to come to san francisco they kind of have like an apartment there because their office is not no uh, facebook the office is not in san francisco so like Cheryl and and a bunch of the other execs i think have like a bunch of Penthouse condos in this one tower, so the tower is like twenty five percent occupied by Facebook executives who are not there except for like two days a month when they go to San Francisco, and then they use this as their
1: and it has like a Botox clinic and like a TRT clinic and like an HGH clinic.
0: Did you ever watch the show on Netflix called Selling Selling Sunset? I think it's
1: called. Oh, yeah. Those guys were the worst.
0: Did you watch the show? Did you see the Botox thing that they did?
1: Yes, the worst. I can't stand it. I
0: thought that was so funny. That is everything I'm against. People who haven't seen it. They're real estate agents. They try to sell these like luxury properties and they're always trying to drive foot traffic to their open houses and their open house, their their tactic, their marketing tactic to, you know, most people it's like, oh, it's an open house. Okay, we'll have wine. Maybe we'll put some cold cut sandwiches out, some cheese, cheese board. And this one girl's like, fuck that. I'm going to make, I'm going to get all the real estate agents to come to this. I'm going to do Botox and burgers. So she had a doctor there giving Botox shots to the agents for free who wanted to get Botox at the, at the showing. And and I was like, wow, what a different world than I live in that this is even a thing. I don't think I know a single person who has Botox. Maybe, maybe I didn't. I'm just oblivious to it, but like. I've never heard anyone in my social circle ever speak about getting plastic surgery <laughs> or Botox.
1: They don't talk about it. But I don't think they're going to talk. <laughs> do you
0: about know it. anyone that gets Botox? Uh,
1: my sister had Bell's palsy, where that paralyzes your face, and so she had to get it. Uh, I almost okay, had to get not it.
0: not for that. I'm saying for like people who do it just for this like aesthetic, you know, just for the the look. I don't know. They don't tell me about it. No, I don't know anyone. What's the like most gimmicky marketing thing you've done? That's like you know your equivalent of the. Uh, the burgers and Botox uh, marketing stunt.
1: Well, when I ran Southern Sam's, wiener's as big as a baby's arm. If you put your baby's arm in a hot dog bun and put mustard on it and took a picture, you got a free wiener. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that one. I have one that's like that when we were doing the sushi restaurant thing. We, you know, it's all it was a delivery only, so there's no there was no no storefront. It was a cloud kitchen. So how do you get people to hear about your restaurant if there's no storefront? So I was like, "All right, we got to make a splash." So we were based in downtown Denver. I was like, okay. And I was just tired. I used to go in a, I would go into a skyscraper building. I would just kind of sneak past the concierge guy. I would go in the elevator and hit one. I'd get out and I'd start talking to the front desk lady of every floor of like a 80 floor building or whatever. And I got tired of that. So I was like, okay, what's a, what's a better technique than me going door to door selling sushi essentially. And, uh, I was like, of course, I'm a huge idiot. Like, we didn't even try Facebook ads. This is like, Facebook was out. This is 2010, 2011. Like, we could have done Facebook ads. We just didn't even know. And so what I did was there was a nearby... Um Beauty school, you know, like where, where you learn to like uh cut hair and like do stuff like that, I guess. I forgot what they're called, cosmetology schools. And I went in and I said, Hey, do you do any of your girls like sushi? And they're like, Oh my god, we love sushi. You know, it's like bringing candy to a to a four-year-old's birthday party. And uh I was like, I will give you guys free sushi for life if you put these shirts on of ours and you go downtown and you basically like, you know, the free hugs campaign, do the free hugs campaign and then tell like just basically like while you're wearing our stuff. Did it work? And it worked. It was amazing. Like businessmen would come out of the thing and they'd be like free hugs. And like, they would give these guys a hug. The guy would like, you know, start blushing and be like, did I just cheat on my wife? And then uh, he's like, no, it was just a hug. What's the deal? And it's like, oh, we're doing this because we're part of this new sushi restaurant that's in town. You guys should totally order from it. The further away me and my ugly face got from that campaign, the better it worked. Like these girls were amazing. And we had like way more sales from that.
1: That's a pretty good one. Thank God it worked though.
0: (laughs) uh all right we're at the hour so uh abreu how did we do <laughs> how did i do because i think i did that episode so i know i'm sorry just be, be honest with me abreu, how did i do
1: sam did as much as i did this episode um <laughs> fuck for real <laughs> i feel horrible i'm just not i'm just i hadn't I, I just feel like i'm a little drunk so tired sean you were an a uh but overall the episode was like a b-ish fuck that means i was a c though <laughs>
0: You coasted to a C. A C is a passing grade, man. You you got through.
1: All right. right. I'll bring the heat next time then.
0: All right. Sounds good. I got to run. All right. Bye. See ya.